It's one thing to scale the mountain once, but another to keep doing it. Newcastle are in the Champions League, but can they maintain that position campaign after campaign after campaign? Liverpool have been a top four staple for so long, but a slip in performance cost them last season. Now they're aiming to get back into European football's VIP club. It's tough at the top and there isn't much margin for error. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No slips in performance from my top tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark Newcastle, I thought, gave a decent account of themselves at Manchester City last week in defeat, while Liverpool looked ever so sloppy early on against Bournemouth, but eventually got the job done, even with 10 men. Yeah, um, I'd probably I'd probably disagree on the Newcastle aspect. I definitely would agree with, with Liverpool. Um, in, in fairness, I'm not getting Newcastle right uh, too often. We've only had two weeks, of course, <laughs> but I've almost gone the wrong way in both weeks. Uh, but I just felt um, last weekend was a great opportunity, not just for Newcastle, for any team to go to the Etihad and, and try and make a claim, basically, and, and put in a solid performance and potentially get something out of that game. The market moved to Newcastle massively um, after we recorded it, basically, for all the reasons we probably uh, understood, really. Injuries, um, tiredness, um, a schedule, Newcastle with a fully fit squad and, and flying after after week one. But, um, you know, it is a venue they've tended to, to struggle at. But um, they only managed one shot on target, and that came from a sort of a, a Rodri error in, in the first place. I thought they were a little bit passive, in all honesty. I thought they allowed City to, to dominate and control proceedings without having to be that good. Um, I know. Was it about hanging in there, though? We know what Eddie Howe's like, and we know he has a dreadful record against Pep Guardiola. Was he understandably just trying to stay in there as long as they possibly could and, and hope to take advantage of one of those chances? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we've seen that, especially with Eddie Howe's record away at the bigger teams in the Premier League. There's a lot of nils in there. Newcastle don't offer a huge amount when they go away to these big teams. Uh, they do try and keep things tight and, and try and play for a point effectively. And I think that sort of betrays the Newcastle we've come to, to love and, and respect, really, in the last 12 months or so. The side that we've seen at St. James's Park bullying teams most of the time. And I didn't see that last week. And I thought it was a, a missed opportunity, if you like. But um, just one thing on Newcastle. There's a lot of love for them, um, for obvious reasons, really, for, for the progress that they have made. But I've sort of started to pick up on a, a couple of lapses in concentration or defensive deficiencies that perhaps weren't there uh, this time around 12 months ago. So, you know, if you look at their record um, up until the end of January, uh, from starting from the, the beginning of last year, they conceded just 11 goals in 20 league games. They kept 12 clean sheets. They had the best defence in the division by a real distance. Since then, they've played 21 games across all competitions. They've only managed two clean sheets. Uh, even against Aston Villa, when they absolutely dominated that match, they allowed 12 shots in the box and an XG of 1.77. So, I don't think Newcastle are quite as strong defensively as perhaps they once were, which would create concerns for me this weekend going into the game against Liverpool, who we know are gung-ho, um, and that's being kind, uh, considering the sort of the, the sides that uh, Jurgen Klopp has been selecting from. They should be better for it now with, with McAllister available again. And, and Endo, you'd hope, <laughs> you'd hope Klopp would start to include him from the off now that he's had a, a full week to 
to prepare with the team. Um, I think he is a, a canny addition, actually. I, I think he's he's probably better than a lot of people suggest just because of the, the club he's arrived from. But um, I still think there's a lot to sort out from a Liverpool perspective as well. Um, as you mentioned, that first kind of half hour, really, we saw Alisson, Van Dijk and Trent, you know, three kind of mainstays of that back five, all kind of lose their composure and look very uncomfortable at times when, when pressed. It was really weird, wasn't it? I mean, Alisson just had a moment where it looked like he was somebody who'd never played football before. It was really strange. He came out of his box and then just went, ah, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they were caught out by, by Bournemouth's approach, but they really shouldn't have because, I mean, everyone knows how Bournemouth are going to try and play football this year. But um, it wasn't just Bournemouth either. They faced nine shots on target now across their first two games. 23 shots conceded as well. Uh, that second half against Chelsea, they were definitely under the pump for, for large swathes too. So, um, yeah, I found this game really difficult to, to second guess, really. The market is fully expecting a goal-heavy match, and that's understandable, really, with, I guess, Newcastle's defensive numbers, as I pointed out, and Liverpool being so gung-ho. But, you know, overs is around 1.5. BTTS is below that. Uh, you have to go to sort of over 3.5 to get any sort of you know, price of, of appeal, and that's still just below 2.3. So um, in terms of the actual match odds and the handicap, I found it, you know, I, I couldn't really disagree with where the market is at at the minute. And what the market is saying is right now, Newcastle are very, 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 very slightly the better side. And I think that's fair enough because Liverpool, I think stylistically, individually might have the quality to hurt them, but they are very much a work in progress. That midfield is very much in transition after the overhaul too. So Newcastle should be better prepared and, and better suited to, to get something out of this game, considering it is basically a rinse and repeat from last year. They are at St. James's, but they've been so strong. Uh, I do expect them to bully Liverpool here a bit, but um, whether they've got enough about them, uh, you know, in terms of defence and attack to, to get the results and paid out, possibly, but uh, I'm not willing to sort of back them at the prices they are. So I'm quite happy to sort of leave this one alone. Tipster Trader and Manga Cosplay King, Emmett O'Keefe is with the team once again. Uh, Mark's just trying to work out what that actually is. Uh, Emmett, what we do know about these teams, Mark's alluded to it, plenty of goal-scoring threats. Is that what's driving these goal markets? Because... Actually, the way Newcastle sometimes approach these games, you'd think it might be a little bit more cautious, but the market clearly expects some kind of shootout. Yeah, I think it's very interesting here. I think actually Liverpool are actually really looking forward to play this game in some ways because the like where I think they're at their best is when this team has space in front of it to play. I think they, we saw that in, in, in the match at St. James's last year that they kind of, they obviously Nick, Nick Pope ended up getting sent off, but they had these really kind of quick strike kind of counter-attacking moves that kind of did, did, did for Newcastle in that game. And I do think that, I think as, as Mark alluded to, this isn't necessarily the most solid Newcastle defensive unit. Like I think we'll see come the end of the season, whether they, they might kind of regret, maybe not, not kind of strengthen strengthening it in that area and I'm kind of I'm yeah I, I, I definitely expect a high scoring game just given the give given given Newcastle's tendency and just the the nature of this Liverpool side actually I have a question for you Kev how highly do you rate Endo I wouldn't claim to have seen that much of him but just looking at his FB ref statistical comparison like the players list near him are like Adrian Rabio and Casemiro which is, is, isn't bad for sure yeah, I think he's super. Uh, I think for what Liverpool needed, 
which was somebody who had discipline and the ability to break up play at the base of midfield, he's absolutely what you would want. He's the captain of Japan. He's led Stuttgart with distinction in each of the last two seasons. He's helped keep them up. I genuinely believe without him, that team would have been relegated. He's somebody that, as you say, you look at the statistics, in the air he's excellent, tackling he's excellent, interceptions, all of that stuff, all the stuff you want. And mentality-wise, if you think of what Liverpool have lost, lost Milner, lost Henderson, lost Fabinho, that's a lot of standard setters disappearing out the door. Well, he's a guy that comes in and you look at him and think, wow, okay, he's only just got to the club. Look how hard he's training. Look how hard he's working in games. So I think for the money, I think it makes a huge amount of sense. So I think Liverpool now have that balance. Emmett, we know now that Alexis McAllister is going to be in the game. He had that ridiculous sending off last weekend, but that's been expunged from the records now. What have you made? I know it's really early days, but what have you made of him so far? Because it was a gorgeous pass, wasn't there, Um, in the build-up to one of the goals? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive fan. I think he's got. Uh, I think sometimes I think probably the players that we've seen struggle, kind of leaving Brighton. Obviously, thinking of thinking of uh, Kukurea. I would have said Basuma up until recently, but he seems to kind of kind of reversed his form. But sometimes I think the I think what was positive about specifically Kai Sado McAllister is how well they did outside of a kind of a Brighton context. So we saw in the World Cup, like for for Ecuador, Kai Sado was absolutely brilliant. Him and Estupinian. And similarly, I thought like if you're looking picking the best players in the pitch in that World Cup final, it would have probably been Di Maria and McAllister. I thought he was really, really outstanding. I think so. I think we, we kind of saw that this, he wasn't a guy that was just a product of the system. This guy is, is an outstanding player. And in terms of the in terms of the value, getting him for 35 million is, 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 is obviously brilliant compared to some, some, some of the, some of the players, the kind of transfer value transfer values we've seen this summer. Um, I think as well, we'll see him even more flourish when there's a player like Endo in there. You saw him maybe struggling with kind of Chelsea midfielders running off from in kind of in yeah. in in game one. Just one kind of note I have on Liverpool, I think it's worth watching, is that have they been tactically left behind in the full back positions? Is it kind of an in my head? Is that like I think we've seen some of the best teams now are moving away from the kind of two the double attacking fullback setup. I think that's like um Obviously, most notably, Man City are going to kind of four centre halves. It, it's it's kind of an or we've seen kind of so like what's what is the future of the Robertson Alexander Arnold partnership? Is a real question for me. Like I I don't think especially with playing with the two free eights in Sabosly and McAllister, that's not the same midfield structures they had when they were winning kind of um, winning European cups and, and and winning Premier Leagues. They had three kind of warrior type min, types of midfield yeah. who were going to hang back for the most part. That's not the team set up now. So I don't think they can sustain Robertson and Alexander Arnold bombing on, especially if I think we've we've seen Alexander Arnold, the traditional Alexander Arnold give and take already a lot this season. He's and he's probably taken away more than he's given so far. Um but so I just that that is that is a concern for Liverpool. And I I I, I think I'd probably like to see even maybe another endo style player come in before the end of the window just to give them give them a few more options there and kind of and, and give them an options for kind of more, more solidity. Um just for specific 
specifically on the kind of betting angle for this game, one thing I thought was interesting was it was the kind of card markets. We've seen tr- traditionally Liverpool would be kind of under Jurgen Klopp were kind of towards the bottom of the disciplinary table. But last season they were closer to mid In a good way. In, In a, a good, good way, way. exactly. Yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> they usually have one of the low, their most disciplined teams were the lowest number of cards. But last season they were kind of more in, towards the middle as were Newcastle. But I think just as one... I think Newcastle are probably going to be more affected than most teams by the new kind of um, Premier League kind of directives in terms of kind of clamping down on persistent fouling. And I think we've, we've and I think if you look at some of the players in the team, I'm thinking of Bruno Guimaraes, Joe Linton, Anthony Gordon, Tanali. They all fit in the persistent fouler category. And we've seen Newcastle already pick up nine cards in their first two matches. Uh, I, I think maybe in, in maybe a few months' time, the Premier League might scale back the directors, and we're going to see a similar story to last season. But while the Premier League are being stricter, I think I, 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 I'd be keen to kind of look at Newcastle in the card markets. And at the moment, Newcastle are both teams are around six to five five to four to have to have have most cards I think Newcastle should probably be odds on I think they're far more they're a far more cynical team and a far more kind of players that are partial to a card than Liverpool so that's that's the angle I'd look for and if you are thinking about those card markets and what you might throw into a bet builder, it's worth bearing in mind that Betfair is offering a completely free football hacker or bet builder this weekend. But you do have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds and T's and C's apply. Sheffield United have made a poor start to the Premier League season. They've suffered narrow defeats against Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest. And just to give them another kick in the unmentionables, they now have to take on the European champions, Manchester City. Mark O'Hare, do you give the Blades any hope here whatsoever? No, not really. Thanks for that. Let's move on. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I expected to sort of just brush over this match as a, as a routine City win, but um, Emmett and his team have been quite kind, actually. They're, they're dangling a, an industry best price on Man City to win to nil in this match, which is uh, five to six. On the sports book, one point eight three, um, which uh, I think is a, a very juicy price. I'm very happy to get involved with that. Um, I make it closer to sort of a four to six shot, really. Um, you know, last week, as I said, I thought was probably the best time to play City with all those absentees and the in- injuries and illness and the Super Cup, and uh, it just, you know, they neutralised Newcastle and and looked quite comfortable in the end, despite the one nil scoreline. And you think, how would they cope without De Bruyne, without Bernardo, without Gundogan? Well. Step forward, Phil Foden, who just kind of ran the show, really, didn't he? And I think he created seven open play chances, which is the most a City player has done since De Bruyne against Norwich in 2020. Uh, there's a strong suggestion this will be his position when he gets to his prime. And I think we saw a terrific snapshot of what he's capable of there against uh, against Newcastle. Really impressive display. I hope to see more of it again this weekend. You're probably only missing Stones and De Bruyne from the, the first 11 uh, this weekend. I know Pep Guardiola is unavailable, but um, I actually looked at that City side leading into the Newcastle game when the sides were announced and, and the drift had gone so far that City suddenly became a value bet. And you looked at the 11 and you thought, well, <laughs> it's still incredibly strong despite all those players who have left the club or are missing. Um, so, yeah, with, with back to having a, a full week's recovery, preparation time, I suspect they'll be bang at it uh, this weekend. So, um yeah, defensively, they've uh, kept two clean sheets from two in the Premier League, conceded just two shots on target, one in each match, allowed just 0.62 expected goals, and that's going away to Burnley and home to Newcastle, two significantly tougher 
assignments you'd say even going to Sheffield United who conceded 24 shots to Palace on week one uh, we know the Blades are a weaker team than the side who started uh, last year and won promotion from the championship they've obviously lost both league games managed just one expected goal across those two fixtures the only goal was a worldie from from Gus Hamer who is an excellent pickup in fairness a, a quality player but a bit of a loose cannon too so uh, they're, they're still you know not just one or two they're still probably half a dozen players away from being competitive, I think, at this level. And in terms of going forward, they're, they're really short. Um, they scored 73 goals during the championship season. 36 of those goals have since left the club. They've been sold in the summer. The only player left in the squad who scored more than six in the league last year was Ollie McBurney. He's only scored once in 23 Premier League games, missed most of pre-season, has been injured for the first two games. He might be available this weekend. Last week against Forest, they started uh, William Asula, uh, he's a 19-year-old academy striker. Yeah. He's never scored for the Blades. Uh, he was replaced by Antoine Hackford, another 19-year-old academy player who's made one senior league appearances before this season. Um, so it's not looking good. And probably the two bright lights against Forrest, uh, Benny Traore and Vinny Souza, uh, both went off injured. So they're rated doubtful for the weekend too. I, I suspect they'll be fine. But I know they're rushing really hard to get this uh, Archer deal done. But you know, a huge amount of money for a player who's more or less unproven in the Premier League as well. So it's looking bleak for the Blades. Um, and just a couple more stats to kind of back up the selection. As I say, five to six on City to win to nil. Under Guardiola, their record at bottom six finishes is 26 wins, two draws, two defeats. They've averaged 2.93 goals and given up 0.53. 18 of those oh, wow. matches ended <laughs> in a City win to nil. So a 60% success rate at bottom six finishes. And I looked at uh, City's record since 2017-18 when they've been priced up at 1.25 or shorter. They're around 1.2 to win this match. Uh, in those away games, they have won without conceding in 15 of 26, which again is a 60% hit rate. And we're getting five to six. So I think all round, this looks like a great value bet. Emmett, let's head across to France. Lyon have made an awful start to the campaign. Laurent Blanc even suggested in a post-match interview that the best way of changing things was to get rid of the coach, which is very honest of him. Uh, are things going to improve at Nice this weekend? I'm hoping not. Um, yeah, in, 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 in betting terms, generally, I think looking for the kind of teams in crisis is always kind of a is always something reasonable. And 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 then to check check is the is is the price more than fair? And I think I think we have that here. I think just it's it just it, it's it's kind of a really good time for Nice to play Leon here. Obviously, as you mentioned, they could have they, they could have conceded six goals and, and two losses in their first two games. Laurent Blanc's on the verge of the sack, and also in in their last match, Alex Lacassette. Um, got a red card and so he'll be suspended for this match uh, listeners may, may or may not be aware that he scored 27 goals in yeah. Ligue 1 last season so he's one of, one of one of the top scorers there so he's going to be a huge player for them and also they're in a bit of a kind of a turmoil with Leon as it uh, will be one of the best kind of producers of of young talent arguably in the world really but it's de- definitely in France and two of their best prospects in um, Barcola and uh, Ryan Sharkey a player I'm especially high on is are, are, are potentially on the verge of leaving so there's kind of there's question marks or whether they'll they'll play as well um nice nice on the other hand they have had a kind of a decent start to the to 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 the league on campaign but but they look to me kind of a fairly solid kind of top four contender and i'm more than happy to take a take a chance on, the, on them exposing kind of a struggling lee on a current price of around 225 
Now, if you do decide to back Nice to win that game, it's worth bearing in mind that we do have the new 90-minute payout feature. Now, when you bet on the result of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. So if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. There is a handy FAQ section on our website, betting.betfair.com. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. Now, Mark has thrown me completely here because he's branching out beyond Europe. I don't think we've ever done this on the show. Mark, we're going to Brazil. Yeah, wouldn't we love to go to Brazil? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to focus <laughs> on the, the league leaders, uh, Botafogo. Um, they're running away with the, the, the title. They're 11 points clear. They've only played 20 games and they're 11 points clear. Um, they've won 15 of those 20 fixtures. And their home record in Rio is remarkable. 10 wins from 10. So I'm going to back them to extend that streak uh, on Sunday night when they place Bahia. Um, now, the negative negatives first, really. They're missing their top goal scorer, Tequinio Suarez. He's been injured for a couple of weeks. Still got another couple of weeks on the sidelines. Um, they're also involved in Copa Libertadores' action either side of this match. So there might be an eye on those fixtures. But otherwise, it's all positive, really. Across all comps, they're unbeaten in 17. And it's their defensive record in Rio, which is really quite exceptional in those 10 wins. They've conceded just three goals, which I think is uh, paramount really for the weekend because they're playing a Bahia side who don't offer a lot going forward, especially away from home. Uh, they beat them 2-1 in the reverse fixture earlier this season. Now, Bahia are basically just above the drop zone in Brazil. They're a really sort of Jekyll and Hyde side, um, kind of highlighted by beating Bragantino 4-0 last weekend. Uh, no one saw that coming. Um, and their home form has basically been their saving grace because on the road, they are rank. They've lost six of ten <laughs> games. Uh, their only win away uh, came at their fellow strugglers, Vasco da Gama, who were playing behind closed doors at the time. Um, they scored just four goals in those ten away games as well. And that's despite not travelling to a team inside the top three in Brazil at the moment. Uh, their toughest assignments, they've conceded twice or more in all three and lost all three when going to sides inside the top seven. Um, and yeah, they're basically shipping goals quite comfortably when travelling away and struggling in the in the opposite end. So they've actually failed to score in four of the last six across all venues as well. So quite happy to oppose them despite their result last weekend. Uh, the price has gone really on Botafogo um, already. So to, to boost it back up to something palatable, uh, you can back Botafogo to win and under four and a half goals at 195, which is a really nice price. Just two of these two teams combined 40 games this year have gone over four and a half goals. So, you know, backing that bet gets you 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and the 2-1 and 3-1 on side as well. So anything beyond that would be a loser. But, uh, yeah, quite comfortable, uh, I think, Botafogo this weekend to get the three points. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of excellent preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Lots of other great shows on the Betfair podcast network, including Racing Only Better. By the way, our shows here on Football Only Better have been put onto the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe. The link is in the description from Emmett, from Mark, and from me. It's goodbye for now.